He's back. You are Locked On Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Friday, December 9th, 2022. It's my wife's birthday. Maggie, I love you so much. I hope you have a great day, and I cannot wait for our steak dinner tonight. Yes. <laughs> Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you for making us your first watch or your first listen every single day. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online, who has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet online, where the game starts. Well, uh, listen, it's not just players entering the portal, Carolina football, all sorts of changes, losing some coaching staff now as well. We're going to talk about that. Plus, the Tar Heel men's basketball team gets back into action on Saturday, hosting Georgia Tech in their second conference game. We'll get you previewed on that. But first, Drake May is staying in Chapel Hill. And here's the big takeaway. This young man is exactly who you thought he was. What I mean by that is this. In a day and age when players in football and basketball, these student athletes all across the, the sporting landscape are chasing dollars or chasing different opportunity, Drake May who probably could go, not probably, can go a multitude of other places, perhaps make more. We obviously don't know uh, what's going to go on with Heels for Life. Let's not be naive to that, that there will certainly be money uh, to help with his NIL um, uh, enterprises that he has going on. But Drake May is staying in Chapel Hill to help continue cementing not only the May family legacy, frankly, but also to continue helping the University of North Carolina football team rise to to hopefully new levels, right? Like Sam Howell has set this amazing foundation that now Drake May is going to continue to work to grow. You know he has to be um, disappointed and unsettled with how this season finished after, or at least how the regular season finished in the ACC championship game after the fantastic start that they got off to. He has unfinished business and he wants to help North Carolina continue to do that. And here's what I, what I loved about what happened on Wednesday, late afternoon, early evening, as it felt to some people like the world was falling and, and, you know, like straight up chicken little, right? Um, you hear about coach Longo leaving for Wisconsin coach Bicknell, the offensive line coach leaving with him. We're going to talk about that in just a minute, but, but some other storm duck, uh, that same night cornerback transferring out. Now, both of Carolina's starting cornerbacks are gone right about that time when you just starting to feel like ripped apart a little bit. Here comes Drake may dropping it on social media that he's staying. And I don't know if he was encouraged to do that or if it was of his own volition. But folks, that was the exact right thing at the exact right time for the Carolina family. It's almost like like he's just so ingrained in it that he senses it and he gets it. And he knows what the Tar Heel fan base needed to hear. And again, delivered at just the right time. And so um, 
ex- exactly what what needed to be. And again, just further proof that Drake May is exactly who everyone thought he was. We also got some news about Drake May on Thursday that he that the we got the full kind of voting for the Heisman released. Obviously, other than the top four who are finalists there uh, in New York for the ceremony, and Drake May finishes tenth this season. And there's two things I want to say about that. Number one, ah, yeah, and the reason I give it that noise is because imagine what could have been had the last three games, the last two games of the regular season and the ACC championship game not gone the way they did. If, if Drake May had been Drake May against Georgia Tech or NC State or Clemson, Finishing 10th, you got to imagine he would have been right up there at least with an invite to the to New York, man. And that that hurts because you think, I mean, maybe even just two of those games, if he had performed up to the standard he had the rest of the season. Now, I know that's not just on him. There's a whole host of reasons that those three games didn't go as as the rest of the season has. But that's on one hand. It's like. Ah, you just you just hate it because you know it could have been. On the other hand, rewind with it's the same kind of thing we talk about with the whole team. If I had told you preseason that whomever won the North Carolina starting quarterback job, first off, whether it was Drake Mayer, Jacoby Criswell, whomever won that job was going to finish top 10 in Heisman voting, you better believe you would have taken that, right? You absolutely would have. If you're sitting there listening or watching this and being like, Isaac, you're crazy. No, (laughs) you're crazy for trying to tell me you would not have taken that because you absolutely would have taken that. And in fact, not only would you have taken it, you would have been thrilled with the idea that North Carolina's starting quarterback would have finished 10th in the Heisman voting this year. And that's exactly what happened. I love it. Congrats, Drake May. Congrats, North Carolina offense. What a season it's been. Now, one of the things I speculated earlier in the week is part of the reason for Jacoby Criswell's immediate announcement into the transfer portal is perhaps because at least internally, Drake May had already said he was staying. Now, there's no confirmation on that. Jacoby Criswell could have still transferred even if Drake May was, was going to leave. But I think it says a little bit more about what was already going on internally. And, and I know it's not a done deal until you see him back on the field next season, but it's a done deal. This kid bleeds Carolina blue through and through Drake may can't wait to see you in 2023. The question though, who on earth is going to be his offensive coordinator? We're going to have to answer that now pending question in just a moment, right after I tell you about bet online which is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, they've got it all at Bet Online. Make sure you check out the lines at Bet Online for Carolina's game against Georgia Tech on Saturday. They're always the fastest and easiest way to get your sports betting fixed. So head to the website today. Or use your mobile device to learn more about all the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. Okay, so Drake May is staying, but his offensive coordinator is not. And the guy responsible for protecting him with offensive linemen is also not. 
So we learned on Wednesday, as I've already alluded to, that um, both offensive coordinator Phil Longo is leaving to go be the offensive coordinator, same role at Wisconsin, as is offensive line coach Jack Bicknell Jr., um, who would come, who hasn't even been in Chapel Hill a full year. Remember, he came in during spring practice, like the second day of spring practice. Uh, he came in to be the offensive line coach. And so um, there, there's a connection with Coach Longo and Luke Fickle, who is at Wisconsin now. And so that's part of that. And on at first blush, I was like, what on earth? That makes zero sense. But there is a high, like based on what Wisconsin would normally do. But through everything I've seen that Coach Longo has said, the plan is that they're going to implement his offense at Wisconsin. Now, that, that takes a lot of personnel changeover and, and some other things, but transfer portal, you can go get it immediately. So um, here's what's interesting to me about this is I don't know the last time I have seen the Carolina fan base so divided over this. One half of my Twitter mentions is full of people saying, yes, Coach Longo is gone. Who we getting? Praise Jesus, right? I feel like I've seen a lot of that. And on the other hand, I've seen just as much. Oh, this is the worst. Coach Longo has revolutionized the offense and done all these things. And Sam Howell is first flourished and Drake May has flourished. All these running backs, all these receivers. And so it's really funny. So I'm curious to hear from those of you watching and listening. What are your thoughts on Coach Longo's departure? Are you all in favor of it? Or is the world ending because he's leaving? Let me know if you're watching in the comments. If you're listening, shoot me a DM or a Gmail to the show, LockedOnTarHeels at gmail.com. Would love to hear your thoughts on Coach Longo's departure. But again, it's not just him. Offensive line coach Jack Bicknell Jr. is gone as well. I don't want to dwell on that anymore. Let's take it. We're going to set it aside because the future starts now and that's what we want to talk about. Let the speculation begin, right? Who is going to be the new offensive coordinator? We'll get to offensive line coach at some point, but that I, I know to the majority of people out there is of infinitely less concern. The big thing right now is you got to get your offensive coordinator, right? And, and that's the order you take things in. If Mac Brown left and your special teams coordinator left, you're not going to hire your spe rehire special teams before you rehire your head coach. Same thing. So first off, we got to hit offensive coordinator. Now, at this point in the game, it's fruitless to go chasing down every rabbit hole. That's your job. Who do you want to be the new offensive coordinator? Same thing. Let me know in the comments if you're watching on YouTube or if you're listening. Shoot me a DM or, or an email, whatever it may be. But I just want to name two today to get the ball rolling. These are the names of, of the myriad of names that I've already heard from people. These are the two that I've distilled it down to that I think at this point would be great selections, either of them, for a variety of reasons. And so we'll take both of them in turn. I'm going to start with Dan Mullen. Dan Mullen uh, had been head coach at Mississippi State for nine years, at Florida for four years after that, and this year did not coach, has been in the um, studio for ESPN and ABC, um, doing those things, making picks, all that. You see him at halftime of games, et cetera, right? So Coach Mullen is 50. So that is one area that I think is – I know a lot of times you think, oh, good, life and coaching experience, let's get it. A lot of what I feel and a lot of what I'm hearing is this coaching staff has to get 
younger, not just younger for younger sake, but fresh ideas, guys that can connect with the players of a new era, a, a lot of that. And I think per, perhaps somebody a little bit younger would be great. However, Coach Mullen has the track record. He's got the coaching cachet. Um, in those four seasons at Florida, he was 34 and 15. The last two seasons weren't as good. It kind of went down, and that's part of why he's not there anymore. But those those first two seasons were both 10-win seasons, a Peach Bowl victory and an Orange Bowl victory. Um, 21-14 SEC record in those four years. And so you're encouraged by that. And, and remember, that's head coaching. And so if you can bring in Hello, Mac Brown. Same track record, right? Of coaching, going to the to the studio. Obviously, a shorter time than Coach Brown was there, and maybe you bring him in as as your offensive coordinator. Could see it. He's got a great offensive mind, one of the most respective offensive minds in the country. Um, and so, like you think about uh, Dak Prescott, would have been in his era at Mississippi State, and and just that season was something special for the Bulldogs and all their annoying cowbells. Um, and so um, that's great. But but at Mississippi State, sixty nine and forty six overall, that's great. But he had a thirty three and thirty nine SEC record. But again, you kind of throw some of those things out the window because that's head coach. This is an, a completely different playing field when you're talking about a coordinator position. So Dan Mullen, I think somebody that would be great to go and get if he's willing to come. There's been some other jobs that he's been, uh, I, I've seen him connected with, like not going to go to South Carolina, who's looking for an OC. I know Auburn is looking for an OC, although uh, that's going to come more into play with the next potential candidate I'm going to bring up, who is Garrett Riley. That last name sound familiar? It absolutely should because he is Lincoln's brother. Lincoln, who was the coach at OU, left to go be at USC this year. Um, these two brothers, man, they're, they're something offensively. You know, you kind of think of that phrase, Wonderkin. Remember when Lincoln broke onto the scene? It was like, what is this dude doing? Well, Garrett himself is only 33, and that 17 years younger than Dan Mullen. That, that is something for you there. But here's the problem. You know where he's at right now? TCU. He's TCU's offensive coordinator. And you might think, oh, well, North Carolina over TCU any day of the week, right? Well, not so fast, Charlie Brown. What's TCU got going on right now? Oh, yeah, they're in the college football playoff. Oh, and by the way, quarterback Max Duggan, Drake May's 10th in the Heisman voting. Max Duggan, he's in New York right now. However, he's a senior. Is he going to come back for a, a fifth year? He's not, you know, a highly projected draft pick. Maybe he comes back. I, I just, I don't know about Garrett Riley wanting to leave TCU, Fort Worth, and come. Now, maybe he would. You know, Mac, Mac Brown is a great recruiter, uh, a great convincer of people. And so I'm not going to rule it out. But with everything you got going for you right now at TCU, it seems like a hard stretch. But I would say the same thing if you would ask me a week ago, hey, is Phil Longo going to go to Wisconsin? I would have laughed in your face, right? So I don't want to say no for him. And that to me is the bottom line. I'm happy with either of these guys. And I'm sure more names as prominent candidates will emerge. I think Riley is the longer shot of these two. But for me, he's the one you go after first. So if I'm Mac Brown, I make Garrett Riley tell me no before I put the press all on Dan Mullen. 
that's where I'm going if I'm Mac Brown. Obviously, he's Mac Brown and he's going to make his decisions, but you're here to get my opinion and that's what I am telling you. All right. North Carolina has their second ACC conference game coming up this Saturday against Georgia Tech. Uh, it's this whole thing where we got 20 conference games now, and so you got to get a few in in December is just how they've chosen to do it. Carolina still does have three more non-conference games after this. They host Citadel on Tuesday night in, in the Dean Smith Center. And then next Saturday, they will be at Madison Square Garden to play Ohio State in the CBS Sports Classic while UCLA and Kentucky play the other game. By the way, I'm going to be there. If any of you are going to be at that game, would love to meet you outside the arena or wherever. I'll be uh, kind of hanging out. Funny enough, uh, we're actually just taking a family vacation up there as well to take my kids to New York at Christmas time. So I'm not even actually going to go to the game because we're just trying to go do some family stuff. But I'm going to come be at MSG uh, after the game. So would love to meet you if you are going to be there. Let me know. Hit me up. Um, anyway, back to the task at hand. Georgia Tech, 122nd at Ken Palm. For, for a Power 5 team to be outside the top 100, woof. Uh, Georgia Tech, like uh, Josh Passner has had some, some weird up and downs at his time in Atlanta, face mask and all, but it is what it is. As for this year, the Yellow Jackets are six and three, so they've got a winning record. But here's the thing their best win was just a couple nights ago against the Georgia Bulldogs, the only way in which they're going to beat Georgia in a major sport this year. Um, and that was a 79 77 victory, but it's not like Georgia's great either. They're 111th at Ken Palm. And so that's one of Georgia Tech's six wins. The other five, one is over a non-D1 opponent, Clayton State, which funnily enough is a school that's five minutes from where I grew up on the south side of Atlanta. So what up, Clayton State Lakers? That's hilarious. But their other four victories are over opponents ranked 253rd or lower at Ken Palm. And so uh, it's kind of like we talked about with Indiana earlier this year. It's like you don't, you don't really know what the Yellow Jackets have. Although you knew with Indiana that they had Trace Jackson Davis and Jalen Hutchfino and some other really talented players. Georgia Tech just doesn't frankly have that. But that said, they've beaten a Power 5 opponent in the Georgia Bulldogs and the North Carolina Tar Heels have not beaten a Power 5 opponent yet this year. So there's that. The other thing for Georgia Tech is that they don't have any bad losses. Of the three games they've dropped, all three are the top 50 Ken Palm teams. Utah, Market, Mark, market, Marquette, and Iowa. And so, um, you know, Georgia Tech's kind of in a similar boat to North Carolina right now. It's just, frankly, North Carolina is an infinitely more talented basketball team. And so they should win this game. If you want to learn a few names to know about Georgia Tech, and then I'm going to tell you what to watch for. Their leading scorer is Miles Kelly, who's averaging 13 points a game. But interestingly, he's only recently moved into the starting lineup. It's just been the last four games for Georgia Tech that he has been a starter. Um, and in fact, the the other four starter, the other starters have only been a, a solid unit for those four games. And so uh, Josh Passner's rolled out the same five to start each of the last four games. So I'll give you the other four to go along with Miles Kelly is Devion Smith, Debo Coleman, I love that name, uh, Jalen Moore, and Javon Franklin. So that we expect to be Georgia Tech's starting five. Um, for the Yellow Jackets, they, similar to what North Carolina has done, are not a great three-point shooting team. They're, they're shooting better than the Tar Heels are right now, but not by much. They're right at 30% to the Tar Heels' 29%. 
So 60% of their scoring comes from in the arc, and that's not including the free throw line. They get uh, just 18% of their points at the free throw line as compared to the Tar Heels 25. But here's what I want to say about this game. This, regardless of North Carolina's struggles and the things that they've gone through, you if you've been tracking with me the past week or so, you've heard me say over and over again, North Carolina has not played well, but there are so many external factors that have contributed to this four-game losing streak. It's not an excuse, but it does help explain why the Tar Heels have done what they've done recently. Given all that, the Tar Heels are still favored to win this game by 13 at Ken Palm. Um, other, other sites don't have their betting line in yet, and so that's the only place to get it right now. Um, and, and in fact, despite the, the troubles in the past several weeks, North Carolina is still projected by Ken Palm to win all but three of their remaining games. Right now, Ken Palm has them finishing the regular season with seven losses, and that would be... Um, it's like a one point loss to Ohio state in that game. We just talked about losing at Virginia and losing at Duke. Other than that, Ken Palm projects Carolina to win every other game on their schedule would mean an 18 or excuse me, 17 and three ACC record. That would be great. Anyway, I'm great. Whatever on Georgia tech, we don't need to spend much time on them because this is about North Carolina doing what North Carolina needs to do. This is an insanely winnable game, but here's the thing. You have to go do it. You just have to go out there and play like you play. I don't need to see what's been happening these past several weeks. I don't need to see the North Carolina of the first 28 minutes of the Virginia Tech game. I need to see the grit and tenacity and toughness and attacking style of the North Carolina of the last 12 minutes of that Virginia Tech game. So what am I watching for? Let me give you four things that I think will help indicate if Carolina is going to play that way and if they're able to. Number one. Is Armando Baycott going to be available for this game and at what capacity or percentage of himself if he is available? I think part of holding himself out for the Virginia Tech game, remember that was his call, not necessarily the coaching staffs, was you had that game at Indiana on Wednesday night where he hurt his shoulder. Um, this uh, game against Virginia Tech was just three, four days later on Sunday. But then you have this gap of this whole week to not play again. And then you play against a lesser opponent in Georgia tech, who's going to be physical inside. Remember I just said 60% of their scoring comes from inside the arc, but also then you play Tuesday Citadel, who is the worst opponent on paper on your schedule all season. I think Armando, like if he's not ready to go, you sit that game. Cause you frankly don't need Armando Baycott to beat the Citadel. You shouldn't. Anyway, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him play this game, but again, if, if he's not full go, even though you're missing him in a major way if he's not in there. Justin Mutz doesn't do half of what he did for Virginia Tech against the Tar Heels if Armando Baycott's in the paint. But you don't want to risk Armando's long-term health if he's not if if there's the possibility of re-injuring either his shoulder or his tweaked ankle in this game. And so you'd rather wait for um you want to beat Ohio State, you want to beat Michigan. But those ACC games, man, those are so infinitely important. And so I think we'll either see him against Georgia Tech, or if not, no need to play against Citadel. Just wait until next Saturday uh, against Ohio State at Madison Square Garden. Number two, 
Is there uh, that I'm watching for in this game? Is there either a lineup starting lineup change or do we see some different lineups play heavier minutes? Because you know, the old truth about basketball is it's not who starts a game. It's who finishes a game. And I, I know we always put so much thought and time and attention into the starting five when often we ought to be paying more attention to the finishing five. Who does a coach most trust in crunch time? And sometimes with Coach Davis, he's proven that could be a game-to-game difference based on who's playing well or the opponent and matchups and things like that. I I love that flexibility by him as a head coach. But like we've talked some this week about is it important for Carolina to potentially roll out more of a three-guard lineup, the the attacking that Seth Trimble can give defensively, his athleticism and how overwhelming that can be? But if so, where does some of the scoring come from? All of those kind of conversations. I, I want to watch for that. Is there a starting lineup? Change part of that. If Armando Baycott's out again, obviously there will be. But I'm, I'm saying that in the vein of if Armando is healthy and ready to go, even still, is there a starting lineup change? I'm curious to see that, but also keep tabs on it the whole game. Uh, What are the combinations that play and how long are they playing it? And who is the closing five down the stretch? Watch out for those. Number three, assist percentage. And I know this is one seemingly minuscule stat, but to me, assist percentage is emblematic of the lack of offensive cohesion Carolina has had this season. When when I say assist percentage, basically all I mean is what number of Carolina's made baskets are assisted versus one-on-one or you know basically a non-assisted field goal. You've heard me use this number all, already this week, but Carolina last season averaged an assist on 50, 54% of their made field goals. The season before that, Coach Williams last year, 55% of their field goals. Their single game high this year, is 54%, not their average. So their single game high is right at the same level as their average for last season and lower than their average for two seasons ago. That's got to improve. It's been at 25% each of the last two games. That is just simply not acceptable for a North Carolina basketball team. And then fourth thing I'm watching is that backcourt, man. It's time for Caleb Love and RJ Davis to be making better decisions both with shot selection and with finding offensive fluency for themselves and their teammates. I, whether that's sitting down and having a very frank conversation to say, RJ, run the show. Whether that's you know finding out some of those kind of things. Maybe Coach Davis saw some stuff down the stretch of the Virginia Tech game with some of those different lineups he was using that they've, they've worked on in practices this week. But Keep that in mind. This is the first real time they've been able to have multiple practices um, linked together since before they left for Portland. That's another part of the external factors contributing to the four-game losing streak. I'm really curious to see what things look like with Carolina's backcourt on Saturday. Now, so the bottom line again, which Carolina do we get? The first 28 minutes of the Virginia Tech game or the last 12 minutes of that game? It's got to be the team from the last 12. Now, coming off of finals week, we typically always see a little bit of rust. So keep that in mind as the Tar Heels come out on Saturday afternoon. But I expect a spirited bounce back performance, heels win and even up their conference record at one and one and get back on that trajectory that they want to be on. 
Also, keep an eye out for is Jalen Washington uh, make his debut on Saturday. Would love to see it. Man, friends, that's it for today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. That's it for this week of Locked on Tar Heels. Would love for you to join me for an immediate post-game live show on YouTube right after the game against Georgia Tech on Saturday. Coming up on Monday, obviously, we'll have a full recap, recap of that game and get you prepared for the week ahead. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Heels. You can follow me on Twitter at Isaac Shade. And I already said it earlier on the show, but you can email us at LockedOnTarHeels at gmail.com. For your next listen of the day, let me encourage you to check out Locked on Sports today. The biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. It's available on Odyssey, YouTube, and anywhere else you get podcasts. Please, if you would, take a second to subscribe to the show on YouTube. It really helps out. Smash the like button. And again, leave some comments on your thoughts on all the craziness with the football team and how you think the Tar Heels will perform against Georgia Tech on Saturday. Friends, it's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. I always have a great time joining you, and I hope you've had a great time diving in as well. All right, until next week, peace.